0: Welcome to the NASCAR NBC Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan, back here at the Charlotte Studio, joined by Jeff Burton, the mayor, and so glad you're here. I've been dying to talk about the race at Bristol Motor Speedway, and who better than yourself, a former driver. There was a lot to unpack from this race, Jeff, and I want to get to all of it, obviously, but first, we're just going to start. Kevin Harvick, Chase Elliott. I just want to set this up. The first incident starts with a flat tire for somebody else, actually. Kyle Busch he got in a flat tire. He's coming around them on fresher tires with 35 laps to go. Chase is in the top lane. He works around him kind of delicately in lap traffic. Harvick's on the bottom lane. He catches up to Chase. He tries to use Josh Balicki to screen Elliott from the lead. Doesn't really work. Virtually side by side, Elliott and Harvick going into turn three. Harvick leans on Chase. That cuts Chase's tire and that sends into motion everything that transpired at Bristol that we're about to discuss here. So Chase says...
1: Oh, well, it's, it's something he does all the time. He, you know, he, uh, he, he runs into your left side constantly at other tracks, and, and sometimes it does cut down your left side, Others, other times it didn't, or it doesn't. He did it to me in Darlington a few weeks ago because he was tired of racing with me, and, and whether he did it on purpose, it doesn't matter. You know, at some point, you gotta draw the line, so. Um, I don't care who he is or how long he's been doing it. I'm going to stand up for myself and my team, and you know we'll go on down the road.
0: Harvick says, Ah, oh, just chicken I mean, what else do you say? Throw a temper tantrum like you're two years old because you got passed for the lead and got a flat tire. We barely even rubbed. It just, you know, it's it's all chase his way or it's no way. And, he, and if he doesn't get his way, then he throws a fit. Did the same thing earlier. He let the 24 go by the middle of the stage and then just rode around until the five. Caught me and I was tight behind him and and uh, you know we wound up getting passed by the five so just hated for our guys. I told him I wanted to rip his freaking head off. That's the setup.
1: <laughs>
0: Who was right? Or if anybody was right, how do you see what happened at Bristol? Bristol.
1: <laughs> you know I mean if if, I, if you know if listen if you if you have the luxury of breaking it down in slow motion which we do on a Monday, but the drivers don't on a Saturday night with yeah. 30 to go in the race and. You know, Chase was doing everything he could to keep Harvick behind him. Harvick was doing everything he could to get by Chase. Uh, when I look at that incident, you know, clearly Harvick had gotten Chase in a situation where he was behind the lap car. And and when they, I really thought Harvick had the pass pulled off off a two. And then Chase made a real aggressive move uh, to get underneath the lap car, kind of three wide and pretty tight down the back straightaway. And when they entered, when they entered turn three, they were door to door. Right then they were door to door, and then if you if you watch, you know they separate, and you see the right. You see Harvick with a steer to the right because he's loose. You know he's loose getting in the corner, and he chases it up and make contact and cuts the tire. Now what's interesting to me is that they didn't wreck; it cut the tire right, right and right, and so right. and so a lot of these incidences we saw on Saturday night weren't wrecks; they were tire cuts from contact, and that's new right that, I, that's new to bristol and and ironically enough i spoke to multiple drivers on saturday morning and that was their biggest concern was cut tires due to rubs and they were right so you know it, when i take a step back and i'm like well who's at fault who did what wrong what it's bristol i think you're going to see contact you're going to see rubbing I didn't see I didn't even see anything intentional. I just saw a race going into turn 3. Harvick got loose, got inside of Chase, cut Chase's tire off they went. Then, you know, Larson pulls the the slide job, real aggressive slide job on Harvick. You know, Harvick's like, "What the hell did you just do?" You know what I mean? He makes contact with with Larson. I mean, all of that was hard aggressive racing and I understand the emotions. I understand why everybody was mad, but I have a hard time saying that Harvick intentionally ran into Chase Elliott. When I watch it and I see Harvick, the back of his car, roll around, and then I see the left front tire do that, he's steering the car back up the racetrack, and they make contact. It's race. It's racing at Bristol with 30 to go for the lead. So just to put it in like layman's terms, when, when, when a driver is loose—
0: because, you know, if you're a Chase Elliott fan, you probably see, oh, he turned right. You, you, you have to turn right to you, kind of save the car when you're entering turn three. hundred percent. I mean, when you're loose
1: yeah. and, and, and when you can see, it's no different than, you know, when you're on ice, you know, the back of the car starts going there. Well, they teach you steer, steer into the skid, right? <laughs> they, they, you know, so when Harvey, the back of the Harvey's car starts coming around, he's got to turn it right or he's going to spin out. Yeah. That's how a lot of wrecks we see happen. A car on the inside gets loose. He has to correct it. And it was just no more complicated than that. So it's just a racing incident. is the 100% way it, it was a racing incident. Yeah. I, 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 But, again, I don't. if I'm Chase, I'm pissed, right? I'm like, you know, what are you doing, man? Like, we're racing for the lead, and you ran me up in the wall. And, I mean, you know, I, I don't think he made contact in the wall. But, you know, I don't blame Chase for being mad. I don't blame Harvick for saying, dude, we're racing to Bristol. You know what I mean? I just think it's two guys that are, were going for a win. Uh, Harvick looking for his first win of the year. Uh, everybody wants to be a Bristol winner. And you know we you know Earnhardt Labonte. I mean, how many incidences have we seen? We show this montage of people throwing helmets at each other. It's it's Bristol. I think the the great thing about Saturday is that we saw Bristol. We saw that action. We saw that side by side contact. We saw the things that we have always loved about Bristol that's been hiding. Bristol hasn't been Bristol, but it was on Saturday night.
0: Yeah, no question. I want to get back to to Chase and Harvick in a minute, but the point you brought up about cut tires because I mentioned it, Kyle Bush was in the middle of all this because he had gotten a cut tire. Christopher Bell got a cut tire, hit the wall. Uh, Chase Elliott. It did seem as if Denny it was Hamlin. Hap- Denny Hamlin. Yeah, after the contact with Larson, it seemed like it was happening more often. But uh, to your point, I, if drivers were, were nervous about it, it must be something that predated this race. Uh, did it seem like it had been that way the last few re- years? Or?
1: Well, it's not Bristol. It's a car thing. You know, with with no ride heights and and everybody, even at Bristol, worried about aerodynamics. You know, everybody's got, you know, the wheels up in the wheel wells and there's not much clearance area and, it, and they're all steel bodies. And so in the Xfinity cars, they're a composite body and the and the Cup Series, it's still steel bodies. And so, you know, with the cars being so low to the ground and teams not wanting to cut out the fenders, some some of it's by rule, you can only cut out so much. All that stuff leads to if you get somebody in the side of you, you know, it can it can cut your tire now. It looked like to me that that what happened with with, uh, Chase and and Kevin is that maybe the right side exhaust cut the left side tire of Chase Elliott. And that could have happened at any point in in racing's history. But it was ironic. I spoke to multiple drivers on Saturday morning, and they told me they were greatly concerned about side-to-side contact.
0: And Chase Elliott might have been more greatly concerned about Kevin Harvick, as he said. And I went back and looked. I don't know if you watched it. Two weeks ago at Darlington, they did have a similar thing, entering a turn, and Harvick kind of squeezed him a little bit. I, I, have you had a chance to look at that, or or do you think Chase has beef here that it, it has happened? As he said, numerous times, he said more than ten times in his six seasons in Cup, he's had this happen.
1: <laughs> you know, I I, I until he's, when he said that, I went hmm. Yeah. like it, it wasn't on my mind that that Harvick and Chase had had these incidences. Now I'm not disagreeing with Chase. It just wasn't on my mind. I have not. Th- I, if 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 he hadn't have said that, it would have never even hmm. dawned on me that they had had some sort of issues at all. I I just didn't see it. Hmm. I, I I do think that I further in Chase's interview, I found this really compelling. I don't care who he is or how long he's been doing it. I'm gonna stand up for myself and my team. Chase said, "I know who he is." He's been here a long time, but I'm going to stand my ground. I thought that was a really interesting comment for a cup champion to make. Almost like I'm still the new guy, and I'm not going to let the older guys push me around. I have to stand my ground. That struck me because I... I don't believe the drivers view Chase Elliott as the new guy. Hmm. I don't believe the drivers view him as someone that has to stand his ground any more than anyone else. Like, he's an established driver. He is a champion. He's a winner. He, for the most part, is a very clean driver, does things the right way. We all cross the line every now and then. And I just thought that was a really interesting comment. That came from emotion. Like, that struck me because I'm like, does Chase believe that he right. has to <laughs> stand his ground at this point in his career? Well, it struck me
0: too, Jeff, because go back four years ago and he did almost the exact same thing with Hamlin when clearly he had a case there for being aggrieved, I and mean, Hamlin wrecked him at Martinsville. And, and Chase went right up to him and said, You wrecked me. I'm not putting up with it. And it seemed like that was an instance of, okay, Chase Elliott's established himself. That was year two in the Cup Series. And now we're in year six, and it's kind of weird to hear him say that, like, I'm I'm not going to get pushed around. I didn't think he has been pushed around really since I, then.
1: I, I didn't. Well, I, I've seen him pushed around. Like you mentioned, I've seen him pushed around, but I don't view him as, you know, a guy that people try to take advantage of. And yeah. Hey, listen, when you're a young driver, you're, there's a target on your back. It just is. That's that's how it is. You know, you're, you're all the established guys are like, look, you know, I'm not he's not going to come take my spot in this sport. Right. That's what competition is, yeah. and and they make it hard on the young drivers, and and it was they made it hard on me, and I made it hard on young drivers when I could, uh, because it's not because they're young, it's not because you don't like them, it's not because of anything other than if you're going to come into my playground and beat me, you're going to have to earn it, like you're going to have to earn it, and they do make it harder on younger drivers, It's part of what makes this sport work, but. It just Chase ain't one of those guys. He's not a younger driver. He's a champion, a race winner, a r- driver for one of the best teams in the industry in the history of industry. Like he's one of the mainstays of the sport. And it just struck me: does he see himself like yeah. that? I yeah. thought that was just. An yeah, interesting it's not comment. like he needs to prove anything at this point. Yeah, he's got
0: an Xfinity Championship, a Cup but, Championship. And
1: but I love, and I've said this before. I love the fact that Chase always you know, for the most part, looks at things, how could I have done better? What could right, I have right. done different? Extremely this was my fault, right? Yep. I love that about Chase. I, I do, because I think, that, I think that if we all did that in our lives, the whole world would be a better place, right? How can I be better? And I love that. I think Chase's mindset is right, and everybody has their own mindset of what's right for them, but I just think it's right. It just surprised me when he made the comment.
0: And Chase Elliott, even though he's in his sixth season, I mean, he's, he's 25 years old. Kevin Harvick is 45. Chase Elliott was born in 1995. Kevin Harvick in 1975. I, is there any generational aspect to this about the way they look at racing maybe differently? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I ask you, Jeff, because, I mean, you raced against Harvick for 13 years. As I, as I said, Chase Elliott raced against Harvick for six years. I mean, do, do you think they raced differently from Chase's generation versus
1: versus Harvick's? I do, but I th- I also think that, you know, I think Bristol is... We've seen these emotions at Bristol for as long as I can remember. And it's something about that night race and that track. Uh, I, I think that the track being, you know... When the track changed and it became multiple grooves, it changed the way you raced at Bristol. And then, you know, we saw the, the track change on Saturday night... I do think the approach to Bristol has changed. And I think the driver's mindset going into the race has changed. But I think it's actually not just necessarily Bristol, but I think the racing is actually more aggressive today than it was when I raced. Hmm. Uh, Mark Martin and I have had these conversations. Because of stage points, because how important restarts are, all of those things I th- actually think it's more aggressive. Now, I also think we see less wrecks, which is interesting to me. Like we see less wrecks than we did in the late nineties, early two thousands. But it's more aggressive. Yeah. And and those two things don't add up. That some of great. some of it's a car. I mean if mm-hmm. you like you a lot of times you go to these mile and a halfs and a car will get completely sideways and it won't spin out. Right? Some of it's that. But but the way they race today, I think, is actually more aggressive than the way we raced. There's less give and take because every points yeah, matter
0: more. Exactly. Like you said, restarts, double-fought restarts, and 550 horsepower yep. package. Like, There's so many races that feel like super speedway races yep. now that you can't give up spots.
1: All that stuff. And I, I think also you know, drivers have always had to walk this line of how selfish can I be and still had the respect of my peers, whatever respect of your peers means to you. So, you know, Joey Logano, I don't think he cares. (laughs) Right. When I say that, I think Joey Logano wants to be a leader in the sport. I think Joey Logano wants to have the respect of the drivers, but Joey Logano also wants to do things and will do things that he needs to do to win the race. And I mentioned Mark Martin earlier. Mark Martin was on a different end of the spectrum of where Joey Logano is. Dale Earnhardt was on a different end of the spectrum. Everybody has to do it their way. And when you feel like somebody didn't return that to you, it it gets frustrating. You know, it gets really frustrating. Um, And I I think we saw some of that on Saturday night. So
0: Chase is at that point with Harvick, in other words, where he feels like Harvick treats him the way Logano Clearly, said, I, I
1: wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought that, but yeah. in listening to Chase's interview, then he feels that way. Yeah. So, you know, that's really all that matters is what, what he thinks. I, I would have loved, I love the fact that they continued their conversation. And I saw you. They didn't see you, <laughs> but I saw you. I was there. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, they continued the conversation. It was very public, right? And they decided, let's, You know, this isn't, we need to get away. And they went into Chase's hauler and continued the conversation. And whatever happened in there, whatever happened in that trailer was good. Whether they just continued screaming at each other, whether they came to some sort of resolution, whatever happened in there is the right way to handle it. Because the conversation was going to end with, it wasn't, there was no resolution, right? (laughs) Clearly there was, these things go further back for them, so just continue that. You know what I mean? Just go ahead and finish the conversation. I personally like that. To hell with sending somebody a text. Right. Right. You know, like you know, if if you think you can be productive, and sometimes you can't. You know, at a racetrack on a Saturday night, maybe it's best to call on Monday. But. Neither one of them were finished, and they found a way to have the conversation, and you and I don't have a clue what they said. No, I think we, that's good. No, we don't.
0: And I, th- I think that's okay, too. I thought it was the perfect confrontation. We got, I thought, best of both worlds in all senses. We, we got the emotion. We got the disagreement. Uh, to your point, uh, they went and had further talks, which we're not privy to. And who knows? Maybe they still agree to disagree. Maybe this isn't over. But nobody swung at each other. We're not talking about fines for crew members. You know, I thought they handled it about yeah. as well as you can. Two drivers who have a disagreement over something,
1: and you know, I, you got to go back too, and you remember Chase Elliott wrecked Joey Logano late in the race at Bristol. Yep. And Joey Logano was back there saying, "Hey, you know, what about my?" The only reason I bring that up is because I think Chase's frustration is further than just Bristol. Clearly, he made the comment, right? right? And and Chase is a level-headed guy. Chase is not. He, he doesn't talk a lot. He just he focuses on his racing harvick you know focuses on his race and kevin harvick's not the same kevin harvick that he was 15 years ago he's not so we had two people that are that although were exceptionally mad on in most cases are pretty calm level-headed smart drivers and they both lost it and i like the fact they just continued the conversation
0: i think no question t- chase takes it personally chase thinks that harvick there's there's something more to this and that's again which which causes the emotion, causes the retribution. Uh, I want to ask you about that. Chase did take a couple of shots at Harvick when he came out of the pits. He ran him up the track a little bit. Maybe he made a slight bit of contact, but Harvick still held the lead. And then Harvick clearly felt as if Chase Elliott cost him that victory because he stayed in front of Harvick for probably a solid 10 laps, 15 laps, and allowed Kyle Larson. Larson might have had the faster car, but that certainly gave him the advantage of catching up to Harvick. And as you said, Larson puts the slide job on him and, and wins the race. We've seen other drivers do this. And this is one of the great things about racing is that you can control another person's fate in a way that doesn't happen in a lot of other professional sports and we saw Ross Chastain do this at, at something similar at Atlanta earlier this year when he kind of blocked Kyle Busch yep. and allowed his teammate Kurt to win fair game do you think is it within bounds to do what Chase Elliott did to Kevin Harvick to let Larson win the race
1: well i listen i said this about i said this about the the situation with Ross i said that's on the edge of what I want to see, right? I'm all about teamwork and I'm all about that, but that's, that was right on the edge of what to me is acceptable. Now, I've always said, this is a self policing sport and NASCAR has to step in whenever they have to step in. But when they don't step in, you got to take it into your own hands. And the reason that you don't see somebody get wrecked every single week by the same guy racing for the lead is because they're going to wreck you back. It, it's how it works. Yep. Like if, you know, I mean, people mess with Kyle Busch, Kyle Busch is going to wreck them back. If people mess with Eric Amarillo, Eric Amarillo is going to r- repay it. It's, you know, it's my nuclear arsenal is bigger than yours, <laughs> right? Mutually <laughs> assured destruction. Yes. yes. And so, and so, <laughs> you know, that's part of the beauty of this sport is that NASCAR rarely has, if you really think about it, NASCAR rarely steps in on these incidences. So, If you're Chase Elliott, you're like, hey, you took a win from me. So I'm going to make it hard for you to win this race. And if you're Harvick, you're like, dude, we're racing at Bristol. Like, it was – I got loose and it got inside of you. I didn't mean to wreck you. I just – your tire got cut. What are you doing? Yeah,
0: racing incident, revenge doesn't fit what happened here. Well, and –
1: in Harvick's situation, in Harvick's opinion, yeah. no, it doesn't. In Chase's, it does. I wonder. I have to wonder though, if you if you're Chase and you go back and watch the incident and you see Harvick get loose, if he doesn't feel a little bit, uh, well, maybe yeah. I didn't understand the whole story. Now you can make the case. Well, if he hadn't have been driving so hard, he wouldn't have. You know, you can make all those cases. But this, to me, was a different situation than Ross. Ross said, "Okay, I'm going to run my line, which happens to be the line of the leader." I'm, that's going to hurt him, It's going to help my teammate. In this case, I don't think Chase was helping his teammate. Now, I think Chase was wrong in what he did because it hurts his championship hopes. Why are you going to give Kyle Larson more points to do battle with you? Why are you going to make his pathway to Holmes, to Phoenix even easier?
0: Yeah, even if he's your teammate. You'd rather have Kevin Harvick have yes. his five playoff points than I mean, Larson.
1: W- uh, you know, No disrespect to Kevin Harvick but the next if if Kevin Harvick and his team can get through the next races next three races they're they're magicians because they haven't had any speed on the mile and a half so they have not been good at all on the road courses and you got Talladega the first three races went straight into their wheelhouse for this year these next three races go directly out of their wheelhouse so why did you give <laughs> Larson more ammunition to beat you yeah like i i thought i, th- I, th- I like to me, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like I would rather go against this year. I'd rather go against the weakness of what Harvick's team has had than the strength of what Kyle Larson. Maybe he. Maybe you don't. You know. You don't think that through in the heat of the moment. But you know, as I was watching that, I'm thinking. I don't think that's a very smart move. Payback in racing should be when it's good for you, not when it's bad for the other guy. And this
0: indirectly could hurt Chase Elliott. So if, you might have hurt yourself. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great point, Jeff. I hadn't even thought of it that way. And But you're right about Harvick. Second round is not a great round when you look at how he's run on road courses recently. I, I don't think the Roval fits well. And for whatever reason, Talladega uh, Super Speedway Racing hasn't been great for that team either. But I want to ask you, because I, I know you said in the broadcast that you had talked to Harvick last week, and we talked to him pre-race in his media availability. And I was struck. Like, he was in such a good mood. I mean, he seems like he's in a really good place. It might have been, you know, we we learned yesterday morning that his crew chief, Rodney Childers, had just signed a, a contract extension. So the four team is together. They've survived a lot of adversity this season. They've overcome some slow cars. Harvick talked at length about that before the race Saturday night at Bristol. But yet he had this calmness about him where it just seemed as if he knew how good he was going to be that night. And it seems as if the four team is getting some of their mojo back here. I'm sure that compounded why he was so angry and all the frustration, all the emotions boiling over. But nearly a year now since that team's last victory, does it seem as if maybe they're turning the corner? I mean, we've seen Kevin Harvick turn it on. 2017, he made the championship round when he didn't have a great regular season. Does it seem like if he can get through this round, does it seem like they're starting to turn the corner?
1: It seems like it. The trouble I've got is that we haven't been at tracks where their weaknesses have been. I think that they could go to Richmond and compete for a top five. I think they could go to Bristol and compete for a top five. Darlington and compete for a top five. This weekend, if they bring speed this weekend at Vegas, then I'll be like, yeah, like, wow. But that's a big if because, I mean, I actually watched the race back from the spring in Vegas and they lapped him.
0: Right, right. That was the race where we was like, what's happening, what's, what's happening to this team? And yeah. they've
1: gotten better since then because they've recognized their weaknesses, right? And, and when you recognize your weakness, you go to work. And they didn't understand they were going to be that far off. And they've gotten better, but I haven't – I'm not convinced that they're going to be able to have the pace, you know, that they're going to need to have. I mean, they're behind. They're behind in points. And they've got to they've find a way to go outrun – got to outrun Joe Gibbs Racing. they got to outrun Penske in order, in, in, in Hendrick, in order to get into the next round of the playoffs. I don't know that he can do that.
0: Let's talk about some of those other teams. I mean, Larson wins the race and all three of his teammates advance now to the round of 12. I think a lot of people thought, and you said on Motor Mouse, that you had concerns about Alex Bowman. You know, William Byron pulls out a, a third place finish to advance by a couple points. That was impressive. The Gibbs cars, though, I thought also weren't Quite as good as we thought they might yep. be. Hamlin was great, obviously, until the the contact with Larson. But Truex was a little off, and, and Kyle Bush talked about being a little off as well. So, that surprised you a little bit, or? Yeah, it
1: surprised me a lot. I mean, it it uh, I still finished fifth in fantasy, but I would have done a lot <laughs> better if Kyle would have run better.
0: <laughs> he's on in my lineup too. Yeah, actually,
1: was he was, okay, was going to do okay, and he had that tire. He cut a tire, but but. Yeah. Yeah, I, I he didn't uh, have winning
0: speed. Like that was what surprised me. No, he did not me. have, have winning speed. Yeah. Not, they
1: did not. Neither one of them had winning speed, and and um, yeah, it did surprise me. I I uh, I really thought Kyle Bush going to Bristol was the guy to beat. I just felt like you know he's so good at Bristol, but they never never showed showed pace to win a race. Their one run, they showed third fourth place speed, but they never showed pace to win a race, and and TrueX either. And yes. Yes, it did surprise me.
0: It, it does seem more wide open. Uh, the narrative of the first round was three 750 races and the way Gibbs raced to Darlington at Richmond. It seemed like, okay, this is the 750 team. And that narrative changed certainly Saturday night, and especially with, again, how good the Hendrick cars were. I, even Keselowski, who I wrote off completely, is <laughs> maybe not going to yeah. advance. He ran about as well as I've he seen. He faded, him. though. He, he f- faded toward the end. He, yeah. and,
1: he and Logano, uh, you know, they both, you know, and, and really, honestly, Blaney either. You know, they, they just – Keselowski ran good early. I don't, they just didn't have the pace. They just didn't have the pace that they needed. Uh, they're not way off, but they were they were off enough. I mean, compare when Joey Logano got put in the back to when Chase Elliott got put in the back. When Chase Elliott got put in the back. You looked up and he's sitting there running 10th or 11th all of a sudden. And when the 22 got in the back, he didn't go anywhere. Couldn't recover. Yeah. Didn't go anywhere. Yeah. And they just didn't have the pace.
0: Yeah, and that was also true. Tyler Reddick never able to yep. recover from that pit stop that yep. sent him in the back.
1: The one that the one that really surprised me was Kurt. Kurt. Rich. Yeah, I I just didn't see that coming. I mean, as good as Kurt is at, at you know at Bristol, and as good as that team has been, uh, I just I just did not see them running that poorly. It Shocked me. I thought
0: he was going to make the next round for sure, and now it just feels. It almost feels like it's reset back to where it was a few months ago, where Larson's the favorite, and it feels a little bit more wide open through the rest of the field as with seven races left. Is that how you see it? I
1: mean, I like what Denny and his team are doing, but they are having execution issues. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they did win, right, and they've run well, but they these little things get them. And I say little, but in this sport, you, especially with these playoffs, you, at some point you have to eliminate those mistakes. Uh, they got to go away. And that's been this team's weakness is that they have pace. I think they're the second-best team. I thought Kyle and his team had gotten there, but they have not been as good recently. So I think Denny is probably the second-best team right now, but, but they're going to have to eliminate mistakes.
0: I want to ask you about the uh, Xfinity finish, uh, which might have been... The best in any series so far this season with AJ Allmendinger going around Austin Sindrick and Justin Allgaier to get that victory on the final restart. What did you see there? And, and was that Bristol at its best? Well, first of all, none of them cut a tire. <laughs> yeah, that was my next question. I mean, <laughs> a good sign for the Cup Series next year—they're yes. running bodies similar to that. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, listen, that you know, when I was watching it, I'm like, what the hell am I watching? Like, it was <laughs> it was crazy. It was three drivers. With a ton to gain. I know that there's some hardcore guys that, you know, don't like the playoffs or whatever, but at the very least, surely people can recognize how the playoffs have increased the intensity in the sport. And if you don't recognize that, then you've just decided that no there's no good in the playoffs and you just can't see it. Because if you can't see that it's raised the intensity, you don't want to see it. And and that was an example where you had three drivers with a ton to gain and almost nothing to lose. And it showed. They laid it out there. They didn't care who they pissed off. They didn't care if they came back on the record. They didn't care. And rarely in a driver's career do you get in that position. Right. Where you have – I've been in that position where I went to Richmond knowing I was in the playoffs – knowing I had advanced, and that was the most fun race I ever ran. It was so much fun. You had three of them that were in that situation, all tied up in a knot with a few laps to go, and it was magic. I yeah. mean, it was magic, but it was full contact. I mean, it, was, it wasn't respectful racing. It wasn't <laughs> clean racing. It wasn't anything other than I don't give a damn what you think. I'm going to try to win this race. And it was it was really fun to watch.
0: and as much as we talk about like how the playoffs has changed everything with the you know win and you're into the next round, win in advance, win or else, nothing else matters. Points underscored everything here. That was the backdrop of I, does AJ Elmendinger make the move he makes if he isn't battling Austin Cindrick for the regular season championship that's worth five extra points? Uh, and just the, just the, the the title itself. I mean, that to me, that added another layer to this that obviously
1: wasn't there prior to 2017. Listen. I made this comment years ago that points are more important today than they've ever been. And people oh that's not right. (laughs) Uh, Win your ever No, because even if you've won, points still matter. I mean, look how you get in the playoffs. Look how Kevin Harvick got in the playoffs. Look how you transfer to the next round. Most people don't win their way to the next round. They point their way to the next round points and how you accumulate those points are more important than they've ever been in the history of the sport because there's more opportunity to gain them which means there's more opportunity to lose them and when you start paying points for how you run during a race and then you say hey by the way you can take those points with you into these playoffs with these cutoff races it makes them that much more important because you can't separate yourself because they're gonna reset you. When you pay points for thirty four races, thirty six races, separation, 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 right? How many people would go how many people would go last race of year with a chance to win a championship? So now they put you all back together and they seed you by the points that you earned in the regular season and the points you earned in the playoffs. Points are is in, more important than they've ever been in the history of this sport, and how you get them is by being successful on track. And when you win, that's huge. That's five damn points you take with you all through the next three rounds. AJ A- Elmendinger will have and that. Look yeah. at if you look at the lineup for Cup and Xfinity, the guys that won the races. Gained them, won the stages and all that. They're in the best position to win the championship.
0: I'm glad we emphasized this because that truly was, I think, the intensity of that Xfinity race was, you know, that's 10 extra points, essentially, for, for AJ with the regular team championship and the win.
1: And it had something to do with Saturday night, too. Here's Harvick in the cellar. Right, racing against the, all these guys, and he needs points. To your just point, he's about. worried
0: about the second round. That's five extra points, and we've seen how much that can make a difference Correct. in advancing. I mean, we've yeah.
1: seen ties. We saw one point. I mean, how many people, look at the separation of points on Saturday night by three points. What Three points would have swung either way. Three points. That means if Eric gamarola would have picked up one spot in each of the races or picked up a spot in one of the three races in a stage finish. He advances. Think about that. Yeah. It's nuts.
0: It's it's a lot to think about. Another thing to think about so we saw a splam bang finish Saturday night. Well, certainly saw one Friday night. A, a great finish Saturday night. The trucks put on a good show. It felt a little bit, to me, like the racing gods might have been trying to send a message about Bristol Motor Speedway and its high bank concrete. I know you have Marcus Smith's ear. Uh, <laughs> there were certainly a lot of people wondering if They've committed to the dirt race next year. But long term, does Bristol need two weekends on the concrete instead of one weekend on the dirt?
1: <sighs> so, so I think fans get the vote. And, you know, it's interesting because I think that we listen to the fans so much that sometimes good decisions aren't made because you the 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 way the wind blows, right? Changes. There's no doubt in my eyes that when Bristol got reconfigured, it took some of the pizzazz away from Bristol. On Thursday night and on Friday night, the groove was on the bottom. And I thought the magic of the racing was because the groove was on the bottom. One groove, like it used to be, I don't give a damn how they got to it. They got to it by putting a compound on the track. So what? (laughs) Who cares? (laughs) They got it. They got it back. And we saw really good racing. When they didn't reapply... The traction compound on Saturday, I was frustrated. I'm like, we just watched two really good races. Everybody bottom feeding. Yep. Oh, Bristol, Old Bristol. Why are we not repeating yep. it? And right. then we got what well, we got Saturday. I'm like, well, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about.
0: <laughs> that's sort of how I felt too. I I had the same thought. Like, if, if it worked Thursday and Friday, why would you not want the bottom to be dominant? Because that's what we go to Bristol to see: is the root and gouge and the bump and run.
1: Yeah. I, so I think I think that. I mentioned the fans, and here's why I mentioned them. How many people were going to the spring Bristol race? We saw more fans there. We saw more interaction. I talked to Marcus Smith about it. There was more fan interaction for the Bristol dirt race than there was for the Bristol spring race mm-hmm. in the past. Mm-hmm. Now, not 10 years ago, but in the recent past. So what changed at Bristol on Saturday night? I mean, what what changed? Did the track change? Because they were running the top. So what changed? So if you get the kind of racing that we saw all weekend long at Bristol, then yes, do not put dirt at Bristol. You don't need it. But if that doesn't continue, then you got to give the fans what they want. What the fans want, I knew this as a driver. I was good with it. I knew that the fans wanted to see some damn wrecks at Bristol.
0: That's a hard thing for a driver to accept sometimes. I mean, how, do yeah. not, how do you not? Yeah. I mean, well, th- how do you that's not why drivers uh, love the reconfiguration, because with
1: multiple lanes, like they didn't have to worry it, about but getting it, bumped off the bottom But it took anymore. intensity out of it. Yeah, it did. It made it easier it to did. drive. Yep. It did. It made it easier to drive. It took intensity out of the race to the point where they said, hey, let's put this magic compound on the racetrack and try to get the groove gro- back to the bottom. That's why they did it. That's what started it. So whatever happened on Saturday night, And I can't say it was just because the playoffs, because this isn't the first race Bristol's been in the playoffs.
0: No, it's the second. So second year. So and last year's wasn't as good or as memorable as this one, and I'm not really sure why. Yeah, I I can't really explain. Yeah. So so
1: what we have to be careful of doing, and, and I mentioned this about the fans. What we have to be careful about doing in the sport is, you know, you'll get somebody that runs, we'll get somebody that runs well at a particular race, and we're like, oh my god, he's going to championship. He's so fast. He's so good. And then they don't. We overreact. So we'll take a race at Bristol and we'll say, wow, man, that was awesome. That was, un- that was unbelievable. That was great. we got to go back there twice a year. Don't change anything. But what changed? So what if I look at if I take all the emotion out of it and I look factually at it, I look factually at it. I, if I'm Marcus Smith, the, clearly the Bristol dirt is on the schedule, right? I look at it and I say, okay, we're going to stick to that. All right, and we're going to see another half-mile concrete race in the fall. And if we get another magical race next year, then in 2023, I'm like, yeah, maybe you're not going to put the dirt <laughs> down. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. I'm okay with that. Like, I like the flexibility of the schedule. I like the flexibility. At any moment. Charlotte Motor Speedway could say, you know what, the oval races are better than the road course races. Let's go back to the oval. Indianapolis Motor Speedway could say, hey, you know what, The two and a half mile track will be better for these cars than the road course. Let's go back. I like that flexibility. And Bristol now, because they're putting dirt on the facility, has that flexibility. But I I just I don't think we should overreact. I I think that I I just don't think that's fair.
0: It's a really good point. The reason they went to dirt was because the spring race had become lackluster, not just with the crowds, but the action had been a little bit too, to your point, Jeff. I mean like the multi lane thing, the reconfig, it sort of changed it. If they have a great dirt race on Easter Sunday night, twenty twenty two and and it draws another big crowd or a bigger crowd than even this pasture which is, as you said was a bigger crowd than previous spring races uh, yeah it'd be hard to argue with them yeah I, don't, that, I, just,
1: I i just these yeah. aren't easy, these aren't easy decisions and they're they're risky yeah i applaud marcus and his team for gambling you know what i mean like for you know how many drivers said the roval wasn't going to work and how many fans said the rovals a joke and all that it was it's been really good it's yeah. been a lot of fun challenging difficult I started hearing rumors it would be a dirt race and Cup in 2021. I'm like, <sighs> you know, I'm like, <laughs> we really need to do that. And then Bristol, like, what? We're doing it at Bristol? Like, what? But then I took a step back and I went, well, wait a minute. The fans haven't been coming to the Bristol Spring Race. And the fans vote with the ticket. And clearly their vote was. I don't like what I'm seeing. Try something new.
0: Uh, you mentioned the Roval. I'm going to get out of here on the Roval and ask you about round two NASCAR, NASCAR and NBC. You go to Las Vegas Motor Speedway next this weekend. And Joey Logano said something really interesting this past Saturday. He said that he thought that Vegas is actually the most unpredictable race huh. of round two. And a grant Talladega is its <laughs> own entity can't even really put that in a, in a category of trying to evaluate how unpredictable it's going to be. But I thought it was interesting because a lot of people say, well, the Roval's the X Factor wild card race, whatever you want to call it. But Logano's point was, Vegas with its 550 horsepower and the crazy restarts, that's like another super speedway race. Your thoughts heading to Vegas? Is this maybe more of a wild card than we think?
1: I think it's a huge wild card. I just don't think it's as big of a wild card as Talladega. Yeah. You could argue it's, it may be as big of a wild card as uh, the Roval because now more people know about the roval and there's more road racing in general and we kind of know who the best road racers are so i i get his i get what he's saying there i just think that when i look at when i look at um the roval there's more opportunities for disaster running all by yourself than at vegas i think vegas and watching the replay of last year, of the spring race, the restarts are going to be nuts. You, I mean, crazy nuts. And then, you know, they're going to get some separation, and now it's you racing the racetrack. And not that it's easy. I'm not saying it's easy, but in level of difficulty, I think the Roval is, you know, it's Darlington level hard. And I don't think mm. Vegas is as hard as Darlington in the Roval.
0: Interesting. Certainly going to be a lot to watch here in round two, starting with Vegas. Always appreciate your insight. Thanks for yeah, being man, here, Yeah, man, it's fun. Our thanks again to Jeff Burton for joining us on the NASCAR and NBC podcast. A reminder, you can see Jeff as part of NASCAR and NBC coverage Sunday from Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Countdown to green begins at 6 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. Green flag for the round of 12 opener at Las Vegas Motor Speedway in the Cup Series sometime right around 7.20 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. And before the Las Vegas Motor Speedway race on NBCSN. It's the IndyCar season finale, the Long Beach Grand Prix. That gets started at 3 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. So a full block of about eight hours of motorsports coverage on NBCSN, IndyCar leading directly into NASCAR, all getting started at 3 p.m. Eastern this Sunday, NBCSN. Don't miss it. Our thanks, as always, to producers Aaron Feldstein, Emily Conboy, and Trevor Gavin for helping with the coordination of guests for the NASCAR and NBC podcast. And any feedback you can send it to me on Twitter at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR and NBC podcast.